Hello and welcome to the Yoko Pono podcast. I'm Callum. And I'm Lissa. We can't play gigs at the moment because of the pandemic, so we thought we'd start this to keep you all updated about what we've been up to. Soon we're going to release our next single, Kelpie, a collaboration with our pal Caro Bridges. The first proper podcast, featuring Caro and other guests, will become available soon after that. This is the pilot episode. In it, we give you a little bit of background about ourselves and discuss the pandemic and the effect it's having on the recording of our second album. This is our first ever podcast, so we'd really appreciate your feedback. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review or hit us up on social media. Please message us or leave us comments at either facebook.com forward slash Yoko Pono or Instagram, which is the at symbol Yoko underscore Pono. If you don't know how to spell that already and you're listening to this show, then shame on you. Excluding all of those with uh, dyslexia, that's okay. Anything else? Should I say, we hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good start. We hope you enjoy the show. Hiya, it's Callum here again. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the one who stands at the back of the stage, pulling funny faces and fiddling with computers. Late one evening in October, I was slaving away at my mixing desk, face lit only by the sickly glow of a hundred open chrome tabs. In search of a little light relief, I called our fiddle player, Lewis. Lewis was two months into a six-month stint, working in a distillery on the island of Fedya, Fedya is a small lump of barren rock scattered with fancy holiday homes, a short sail from the Norwegian city of Bergen. Hello. Hey man, how are you? I'm alright, how are you doing? Ah, not so bad. I'm just uh, still trying to work out how to eat this bucket of crabs. Bucket of crabs? Oh wow, that's a, that's a bucket of crabs. Where are you getting a bucket full of crabs from? Arve, who lives upstairs. Um, this is the time of year for uh, putting out crab pots and bringing them in a few days later t- for a feast of crab. I asked Lewis how he was finding working on the new album, bearing in mind his current situation and the restrictions imposed by the pandemic. As we spoke, he worked away with a variety of implements, attempting to prise, hammer or saw the delicious meat from his freshly caught crab legs. It's obviously required a different form of working, which is... Broadly speaking, really annoying because I am not the most uh, self-disciplined of people and not being there in a room with other people largely robs me of the onus to actually do the thing. Normally, the way that we did it before all this was I'd record and we'd go through it and go, ooh, that bit was almost like a tune and take that as the foundation of something else to polish into something that's uh, beautiful and worthwhile. Not having that sort of interaction, uh, I have found much harder. Why do you think that missing that interaction makes it more difficult? I suppose I've, I've spent far more time playing music sort of badly, just with just jamming with folk in a sort of live pub, for example, setting uh, where it was about it's about the moment and it's about sort of. Ex- you know, it's about riffing off each other and sort of, despite everything, managing to, to, to have something that altogether sounds good and elicits a sort of communal emotional response. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. It's like, it's, it's a sort of, it's a joint experience whereby you all are 
making everyone go, ooh, that feels, that I'm feeling, I'm feeling something. When you say everyone, who exactly do you mean? Well, I'm talking about in a jam. I'm talking about... Um, like other musicians. Other musicians, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm sure other people also enjoy music, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, off the top of your head, could you tell me about a time when you really enjoyed playing music? One of the sort of most emotive sessions that I sort or most emotive and musical experiences I remember ever having was uh, in Belgium. Um, and it was me and an accordion player playing a tune in the dark while various sort of Europeans danced Euro Balfolk stuff in the dark. You know, this was like when I was first trying to improve at the fiddle. So, you know, I wasn't very good. But that's not the point in this situation. It's not about being good. It's about feeling the moment. I don't know. It was quite it was quite intense. Next I gave Ali a call. For those who don't know, Ali is our drummer. He's worked unbelievably hard on this project first teaching himself to record drums and then recording track after track alone at home for the past seven months, besides work for three other bands. I explained what I wanted to ask him and then said, right, let's pretend that we're starting the call again now. Hey, Ali. (laughs) 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 Once we'd regained our composure, I asked him what he'd been up to. Today has been a recording day much like most other days. Uh, but it's been good. Uh, just a bit of percussion, which has been a bit different. I've not done percussion for quite a while. I've uh, just been focusing on kit and programming as well and did a bit of mixing for other projects. And uh, It was nice to just get get kind of more literally hands-on again with something other than uh, drums. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. So like... Out of everyone in the band, I think you've probably worked the hardest on this project. Obviously, circumstances have been pretty different to normal. Uh, so what has changed for you, you know, with the pandemic and stuff? Yeah, I, I think at the start of lockdown, I thought I knew what I was doing. And now that we're so many months in, I've learned a lot more in that time, which is good. It's also been an interesting process working remotely with writing uh entire tunes having never played them with anyone but myself I have to admit I think a lot of why I do it is because there's people involved yeah I suppose that must make the way that things are happening now quite challenging yeah I was chatting to Lewis last night and he's all about it's got to be in the moment it's got to be happening right now in front of me it's very immediate it's very visceral would you say it was the same for you or different I mean, I think I'm almost at the other end of the scale from Lewis, where uh, sometimes the immediate um, thing that I'm doing in the room can be frustrating. It can be, you know, a little, maybe you're not coming up with anything useful that day, or maybe you're just not liking whatever you're doing that day. And then, you know, months later, when you release the track, you're like, ah, oh, there it is. Okay, that's kind of cool. With Gig. I quite often in the moment I'm pretty stressed or I'm, I'm I'm picking up on things that are going wrong or 
trying to salvage things that have gone wrong. Um, but then after the fact, if there's been footage or if there's been like a recording or something like that, it's been like, ah, there, that's quite cool. Ah, that's good, you know. Um, it's a lot better than how I perceived it to be at the time. Has the way that you play changed? Yeah, so recording actually is, yeah, I think I should have been recording myself, videoing myself for a lot longer before this, just, you know, because I've heard and seen a lot of things in my playing that I kind of was a bit uh, unaware of. <laughs> and that's really bad, but I think everyone has that experience when you're recording yourself in particular. Like if you're recording and someone else is doing it, they'll, you do this, you know, you, I'll do some takes and then you'll go, oh, that's good, that's the one. But if I'm doing it by myself, I'm like, 10 days later, I'm 100 takes in and I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I find really amazing is that your neighbours are so cool about the the sound of drumming. Really, I, I'm really lucky with the setup um, here. The you know all of my neighbours are exceedingly sound about uh, the fact that I'll make a bit of noise on the other side of the walls. I mean, but she's uh, quite deaf, so she can't hear it anyway. And it's um, and and she says she doesn't mind it uh, because her. Yeah, her husband used to play the drums and it sort of reminds her of, of him in that time sort of thing. Oh so, man, that's really lovely. So finally, what are you going to record next? I had an empty box of biscuits with crumbs in it that sounded like a really good kibasa. So I was going to use that. Ah, cool, man. All right, well, take care. I felt good after talking to Ellie. He's clearly making the most out of this enforced downtime and learning and reflecting a lot. There have been times in the past where I felt like his painstakingly careful, studious approach to music was holding him back. But listening to his drumming and the recordings that he's been making over the past wee while, it's been obvious to me that he's getting a lot out of practicing alone without the pressure of running all over the country playing gigs. I'm really taken with the idea of his elderly neighbour relaxing on the couch and reliving glory days while Ali belts out Amen-style breakbeats for our mental electro-trad on the other side of the wall. The next day was a Saturday, and as it was the weekend, our flautist Helen was free to chat. Helen teaches physics at a secondary school all week, so away from music she's definitely got the most responsibility, not to mention the most stressful job. I told her about the conversations that I'd had with Ali and Lewis, and asked her which of them she could relate to. I mean, that, that sounds like the difference between like, playing in sessions which is, I guess, where Lewis starts started playing music. And it's kind of similar for me, I think, compared to being in a band and uh, putting something together that hopefully other people are going to really enjoy and making it perfect. perfect. Yeah, whereas sessions are not something that are perfect. <laughs> so you said you're from more of a folk background musically. Yeah. How did you get your start in music? Um, so, so I grew up on Chappensey in Orkney. Growing up in Orkney, there's a lot of music around all the time, which was great. Um, and I started playing classical, cl classically, but um, 
there's also always a lot of traditional music and I was in traditional music groups all through school and and outside of school on the island that I grew up on um, playing music from local musicians um, and especially on that on the island that I'm from um, the music group was really made up of such like a, a wide range of ages and backgrounds um, so I really learned a lot about music from the area that I wouldn't have got elsewhere. So when you say a music group, you mean like a, a community group, sort of, not not a band like... No, so, I mean, we played at uh, the Kayleys on Chapinzee, so occasionally we'd get together and be like, right, how, what are we going to play for this Kaylee and what music can we put together? Um, but mostly we were just meeting up each week and sharing music that we'd heard or music we'd played together before, learning new tunes. Yeah, more just for fun. So it was a, a social thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely a, a social thing. And it's definitely something that I'm really missing at the moment. Um, not being able to like play to people and involve more people, um, yeah, playing on your own just isn't really the same. I mean, it's still enjoyable and uh, and I play music a lot to relax, but it's not it's not the same as playing uh, with people and, and playing to perform. Yeah. Obviously, you did a few gigs with us last year, but we didn't actually talk about you joining the band until much more recently. Has it been weird joining the band at a time when we can't gig or even be in the same room as each other? It's better than nothing trying to work together online. <laughs> like um, We can still send each other music. Uh, it's not the same as playing together. The few times in the summer where you guys were able to come around and we could play outside together, that was so great, being able to play in the same place and work on stuff at the same time and bounce ideas off each other. Um, I feel like when, when I'm writing tunes, it just happens so much faster when there are other people around. Yeah, yeah, getting the hangout in the summer was great. It, was, um, it really made me appreciate how much I actually like everybody as people, which you don't always get, you know, when you're just practicing and gigging all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, when, when Lewis was uh, in Dunbar with me, we were playing lots of music together, um, but now he's over in Norway yeah, missing out on that a bit. So since the summer and away from music and work, what have you been up to? Well, I've really been enjoying uh, swimming in the sea more. So that's something I've enjoyed since I was young. Um, but with the swimming pools not being open or open less, um, I've been really enjoying spending more time in the sea, uh, especially through the summer. And I'm trying to keep it going through the winter as well. Jeez, that must be absolutely freezing. Ah, no, I'm from Orkney. What are you talking about? It's not cold. <laughs> Rather than investigate, I decided I'd take Helen's word for it. Talking with Helen about her background in music got me thinking. Playing local tunes with a community group on a tiny island sounds quite nice now, but it couldn't be further from the escapism, intoxication and incompetence that were the features of my early forays into playing music with others. Later that night, I caught up with Lissa. She'd just arrived back home from a long shift at her mum's acupuncture clinic, Mengcheng Clinic, Bernard Street and Leith, 01315540808, that's 01315540808, and typical Lissa was juggling about five different tasks as we caught up. Um, la, la, la. 
Sorry, pal. Oh, food. Jesus, I need to have dinner too. <laughs> uh, gin. I had a gin glass. Who knows where that went? So, how was the clinic? Uh, today was fine. I can't remember things happen and I forget about them until I'm like, oh yeah, that thing happens. Once order had been restored, we started with the big questions. So, Lissa, on a like a personal level, not a professional one, how has the pandemic affected you uh, being a musician? Um, there's so many parts to this that I can't I can't say it all concisely. Um, what I will say about the pandemic and what it's changed for me is that I always had a struggle with doing music because I never felt like I chose to do it. Oh, that's that's quite the statement. Maybe maybe it'd be best if you talked a wee bit about how you got into music in the first place then. I started playing when I was about three years old. So my dad was really interested in classical music. Uh, so And him and my mum put me in a music school that was attached to a state school. Um, and then I carried on going to high school, still doing the music school. Then I went to what is now known as the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland to do classical violin, bachelor of music. Then I dived into doing wedding and function music. I formed a band with a few of the guys from Edinburgh Napier University. We called ourselves the Jets. So when we first started playing, um, we really didn't realise how busy we were going to get eventually. So it was probably something like 20 weddings the first year. And then by the second year, we had 80 weddings in a year. Um, and then by like the third, fourth years, um, we were doing maybe 120 gigs a year. You did play loads of weddings. I remember that. Like when I got to know you, it seemed like you were playing about 10 functions a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were also playing over the winter period, which is usually quite um, a bit of a lull in wedding and functions. And just coming back to your classical education, your career's kind of changed path a lot. Um, how does what we're doing and what you're doing now compare to, say, the classical music world that you were trained for? I'm not in an orchestra, I'm not in stage, I'm not playing the Usher Hall, <laughs> but I, I'm playing to and I'm playing to the pe people that I think I relate to now. Um, you know, like classical music never resonated with me, I guess. That's cool. So coming back to the pandemic, what do you miss the most right now? I'm remembering how good it was to play with other people and, and it is much more difficult kind of sitting alone, just doing it by ourselves. And, and actually it feels a lot more like the days when I was back at school practicing for orchestra by myself. The bottom line is I really miss playing with people um, and people that like I've connected with or that, I, or that I think I've connected with over time and like built relationships with. Oh God, now this sounds so cheesy. If I'd been thinking... At this point, I could have made some heartfelt observations about how important music is to mental health and how I could relate to what Lissa was saying. But I didn't. We just laughed at her emotions and moved on. Sometimes I, I kind of feel like I wouldn't have a social life if I wasn't doing music stuff. Do you find that's true? Like, does music help or, or hinder you socially? 
music is is it takes up so much of your time and you've got to put 100% of yourself into it there's like no way of half-assing it if you don't really mean it um like as a as a feeling or as as part of your expression um and because you're having to do like 100% and more putting into it the time that you spend is mostly with your colleagues and it wouldn't be the same without that definitely like you know, I don't like working with people that I don't like working with. But that's, you know, that's far and few between most people that I work with, I enjoy, obviously. I feel, you know, I feel bad, not like I'm not sure how I'm not confident in socialising with people outside of music because I don't because obviously I don't really know what to talk about. It's kind of difficult because it's music has, I don't know about you, but it, it kind of consumes your life because it's such an emotional thing and life is emotional. So as a matter of fact, Music does consume my life, which is why I'm recording this voiceover at three in the morning on my own. Gary's been officially in the band since June, and in that time he's contributed loads of really cool banjo tunes and riffs. Working with him on this project's been great. Hey Gary, how's it going? It's not bad, how are you? Oh, you know, alright, I Just sitting at my desk, where I sit, all day, every day. Been up to much? So, aside from, you know, doing nothing like everyone else, just working, man, like... There isn't really anything to do in the world right now, especially under these lockdowny conditions. A wee bit of background here. I've known Gary for a while. He plays Kayleys with Helen and Lewis, and has recorded guitar parts for us in the past too. I don't know his backstory at all though, so I asked him about that next. By the end of high school, I was like slated to do a business degree, and I was about a couple of months out from doing that. And then um, a few friends of mine discovered this music college in Edinburgh. It was based in the basement of a music shop. And I was chumming one of them to their audition. They just said, you should audition too. I was like, cool, I don't really know what I want to do. Hanging out with my mates and playing music sounds good. And then I wasn't really happy with the music course and I thought I can make it on my own in music. And had a couple of years of very dire unpaid jobs on the music scene, essentially unpaid gigs. And then realized I better get my shit together. Uh, so went off and actually got a real music degree. So that's a good synopsis of how you got started in music. Can you tell me why you've kept it up? Um, I don't know. I think that's been put to the back of my mind. That that's never, it's never a thought that I really have to um, dissect. Uh, it's an, al- it's an alternate way of making a living, which is something that I actually enjoy doing, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of camaraderie in it that, you you know, you can get in other jobs. But again, it sort of has to be something like you're into or to spend a lifetime doing anyway. Moving on to the present, how have you found the whole remote writing and recording experience? So I don't think I find it as hard as a lot of other people in the band. And in particular... You know, Lewis is always complaining about 
being in the without being in the room with people while he's writing. Now, I, I've been in bands that have been jam bands. Everything we came up with was quite spontaneous and whatever, but I've always been a bit of a methodical writer anyway. So even if I came up with something, I would like to go away and kind of smooth out the rough edges or pick it apart a little bit. Or if there wasn't a part that I was quite happy with, I'd kind of like to go away and fix that and then bring it back. So writing in isolation has not necessarily been a bad thing. I'm capable of doing it and I've worked out how I write. The hardest part of that is just inspiration. It's starting to write something and being able to turn it into something or not get discouraged when you get four bars in and think you've either written a piece of shit or ripped off a Deep Purple song. I, I also find it quite a release to send something out into the ether. Once you've sent it to somebody, that's kind of a an invisible line in the sand right? that's finished potentially. It gets out of your head and it kind of stops you messing with it until you get their feedback back. What are the downsides to remote working for you? It just slows the process when you can't immediately be like, so here's this and then all cylinders go, everyone like fires off on it and within half an hour or an hour you have a full piece of music. That's quite an exciting process to go through in the room. You don't really get that when it's, you send off a track and then it might come back a few days later and then you have notes on that and you have to send it back. And so there's a little bit of kind of, you're tying your tunes to a carrier pigeon, you're sending them out and then it might come back. It might get, you know, a peregrine falcon might take it midway and then the tune's gone. I left Gary to scan the skies for returning carrier pigeons. Having taken it upon myself to record and edit this podcast, I think it's only fair that the rest of the band now get to gang up on me. Well, Callum, what's your story? What's your background? Why did you decide to do music? I started playing guitar in P3, um, and I was really bad at it because I'm dyspraxic. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's why I'm super clumsy. Hmm. So has music helped you overcome that as well? Is it something that's like helped you through life? Well, uh, I don't know about overcoming dyspraxia. Um, I mean, most of the time I shake quite a lot. Like, you know, I've got a pretty a, a tremor going most of the time in my hands. And when I pick up a guitar, I stop shaking. So that's quite nice. What if it's a really groovy bit of music? <laughs> <laughs> Now, to come back to what you were saying, I picked up guitar again at the end of primary school and then uh, saxophone in high school. And then when I left, I thought, yeah, I could have studied it at university, but I thought I don't want to ruin my hobby. And so I went and studied something else and kept on playing music for fun. Started a band in Dundee with my friends. I wanted to be Dave Gilmore, right? So I was like, right, I'll get an electric guitar and a big amp, which I did. Loads of effects on all the time, but I had no idea of how to play with a plectrum. Because when you learn classical guitar, as you'll know as a fiddle player, it's all about wringing all of the sustain out of a lump of wood. It's not a very responsive instrument. Whereas an electric guitar is the opposite. It like feeds back, so you spend all of your time trying to mute it. So <laughs> I, I was dreadful. I mean, we were dreadful. Technically, we were not a good band. Uh, I mean, I guess technicality doesn't always contribute to being a good band, so... I think you have to be good to a certain point. You know, you have to understand the rules before you can break them. I mean, that that is true, that you have to know the rules in order to break them properly, but the having limitations on your ability does sort of inform the kind of 
weird stuff that you might create. Yeah, and I think the more the more skilled you are technically, the more you're able to do, and you can choose to to use those skills or not. Like to get away from your start, since I've just kind of recently joined the band, there's like a couple of years of stuff that I wasn't a part of. So, what has been the worst Yoko Pono gig for you, and who or what made it the worst gig? Um, so I'm going to pick two gigs. The absolute worst gig that we've ever played was in a living room of a house on the old Valkyth Road in 2000 and New Year's Eve 2016, I think, maybe 15. And uh, it was just me and Lewis at this point. And just before we started to play, this was like just after the bells, Oh, God, how can I put... Um, Lewis very quickly became incapacitated. As the first tune started, he was upright, and by the by the time that the first fiddle tune dropped out, he was lying on the floor wrapped up in a curtain. <laughs> so I spent two hours DJing hip-hop, at which point Lewis woke up, stood up, declared to the empty room, right, when are we playing? <laughs> <laughs> so the worst proper gig I've ever had was definitely at Stramash at the end of last year, when the... Uh, rack that we use to or used to use rip malfunctioned basically on stage and held us up by an hour and a half and it was horrible because there were lots of people there you were seriously traumatized on the back of that that one you were a nervous gibbering wreck uh, backstage after that yeah it was horrible but god bless the stuff at stramash they made it really easy for us which was lovely yeah that's very good nice callum what do you get out of music in the first instance, the, the thing that's most important for me about it is being creative. Music fills uh, a hole for me that I think for other people, maybe having a job does. It makes me feel like I've got a purpose. It gives me something to focus on. As well as that, I'm I'm bad at hanging out with people, man. I get antsy. Like, when I go to see my friends, I am either doing something or I'm getting drunk. And music definitely is more sustainable than drinking. <laughs> you know, not that the two don't happen at the same time, but I do feel that it's a, a healthy thing that I do. How has COVID affected your day-to-day music situation? Well, I've got a really nice home set up on the go at the moment. Well, I've got this desk, which uh, used to belong to my granddad. I've got some nice microphones as well, and just I've got a, a wee corner that I can work in, which is good. I do miss meeting up with people. I do miss hanging out. I do miss, like, all of them making daft little films, all of the other stuff that we would normally do if we were all getting together. Sort of camaraderie of it as well. But, yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. So there you go. You've heard from all of us now. And maybe learned more than you ever needed or wanted to. You know, it's really hard to edit six people talking over each other. And it's even harder to herd the conversation into some sort of satisfying conclusion. Suffice it to say that we're all looking forward to seeing each other. And we're also looking forward to playing all of this music for you when we're allowed to. And with that vague stab at optimism, we're going to draw this pilot to a close. Keep an eye out for more podcast episodes from us and some music, which will be with you pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Here's Lissa from earlier to ask you for some feedback. Please message us or leave us comments at either facebook.com forward slash Yoko Pono or Instagram, which is the at symbol Yoko underscore Pono. 
Thanks, past Lissa. All of the music in this podcast was by Yoko Pono, and this episode was produced by me sitting at my desk in the house. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.